Welcome to 3040 Parent. Let's talk about the weird stuff of being a parent, of being an adult, you know, the stuff that isn't talked about enough. Today, love at first sight for parents. Now this backyard, it could really only be described as the hardest working quarter acre in LA. It has all the things, wall-to-wall landscaping, an outdoor pool table, what looked like an eight burner grill, from where we're hanging out on an L-shaped sunken-in couch, the bounce house is nearly silent underneath the gurgling of a nearby DIY fountain, which itself is intermixed with the sporadic fizz of one of three taps on the no-frills home-built tiki bar. At seven months pregnant, the conversations around us were leaning as hard towards babies as that nearby kegerator was leaning towards foam. Specifically, we were talking about births. We'd already talked through chaotic hospital arrivals, past an assortment of actual birth stories, and we just arrived at that middle ground, the place right after birth, but before the doctors give you the official all clear. That time when parents are stuck in, you know, what Dr. Seuss would probably call the waiting place, the recovery room. Objectively, the recovery room is just a shared observation bay. It's chock full of machines, one-time baby use products, and so many computer screens. Everything there either beeps or feels cold to the touch, or does both. It's also a room full of firsts. First family photos, first baby handoff between parents, first time that that 10 months of expectancy actually settles down into a parent's lap and becomes a real solid thing. It's got a future now. Now among all these firsts, there's also this little talked about other thing, a feeling that's expected but maybe doesn't always arrive right then. It's this moment that I'd never heard put into words. I'd never even talked about before now. How soon do you love your baby? Would you say you loved your kid at first sight in those first few minutes? We were being pretty liberal with the first few minutes. We were including the first few hours and still counting it as immediately loving your kid. So you, when did you love your kid? Let me step back. When I was getting ready for the birth of my first kid, my entire life up to that point, decades that I'd spent as a non-parent, it all led me to assume that immediate love, you know, love at first sight, all these feelings for my new kid, that was normal. It was a commonly shared experience between all parents. I expected that seeing my kid being born would hit me like the Grinch, you know, deciding to give back the presents. Sudden, physical, heart growth. Bam. This is love. This is love. More than that, more than the experience, you know, this love at first sight thing, that was my expectation for becoming a parent. I mean, it was almost a litmus test to determine if I was good enough to be a dad. Because, you know, good parents, they all love their kids right at birth, right? I mean, instantly, kids born, a flood of emotions, bursting out of the heart size scale. That's what good parents do, right? Right, 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 right. Well, if that's what good parents do, then what was I? Because that hadn't happened with Augustine. And I was, and I was nervous or maybe even embarrassed by that. It was something that I never openly acknowledged to anyone. But it turns out that my whole lifetime spent as a non-parent, all those decades, that hadn't given me the right expectations because no one in our conversation loved their kids immediately. No one. Even counting those first few hours. Even counting the first few days for most of the parents. Well, no one except John. John, 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 John. may be the first guy that I've ever met that I immediately aspired to be. He's so cool. He looks cool and he carries himself so cool. So I don't know what it says about me that he turned out to be this love psycho. You know, according to our informal backyard poll. 
Of the 15 to 20 parents gathered, it was only John that admitted to instantly falling in love with his daughters, and not in a couple hours, the minute they were born. He knew this was weird. As soon as we got onto this topic, he began to shy away from the group, but his wife didn't let him escape. She was actually the first person to call him a weirdo and out him, which forced him to confess that, yeah, I loved them as soon as they were born. You know, his sort of mumble was clearly an indication that this was not the first time he'd been singled out for this. Yeah, we made fun of John. You know, despite his extremely likable personality, no one could empathize with his feelings. He was weird, yeah, maybe even a love psycho. But for me, this chat felt awesome. You should know I spent a lot of my teens and 20s telling people that I was a romantic. You know, I've always believed in country music style love and Hallmark-esque big grand life moments. I was certain that these things existed, even though I've rarely actually experienced them. You know, and this split between what I want to believe in and what I've lived, it's made me always feel like I'm kind of doing things wrong or like I'm making bad decisions that keep me from reaching these big life-shattering highs that everyone else must experience. Which is how I felt, you know, awkward, when I wasn't struck blind with love at the birth of my daughter. When Augustine was born, see, I'd expected to be blown backwards by this surge of emotions, for the world to become briefly more saturated, for warm, tingly waves of emotion to roll through me. I mean, I wasn't expecting hallucinations, but I can really only picture Augustine emerging from Jade on this crest of a rainbow, while all the doctors broke into tears, temporarily unable to do their work. At the same time, Jade's skin, of course, was glowing like a breaking dawn vampire in the sun. My wife, you know, seemingly covered in all these rare tiny diamonds. Apparently though, movies and songs aren't the best emotional barometer. Not every guy breaks into tears gazing at their amniotic fluid glistening child. Nope, just John. For me, hearing these other parents admit that it took them time to fall in love with their kids, it was way more of a life-changing moment than I let on to. I mean, really, each story was like an arm catching me in this trust fall of normalcy. Sure, I'd felt things when Augustine was born, but now I knew that it was okay I didn't feel this big screen style love. Actually, I felt a bunch of stuff at seeing Augustine for the first time, and even more stuff over the following days and weeks. But I didn't call any of this emotional stuff love. Honestly, I don't know exactly when I'd say I fell in love with Augustine. If I had to guess, I'd say maybe the first month. I mean, most likely within that first month. If not, well, definitely by age two. Atlas was born three months after this backyard talk. In the days leading up to his birth, Jade and I were not ready. And I was so focused on trying to get to a positive mindset about adding a second kid to our family that I didn't even worry about actually loving Atlas. I just wanted to reach a place where I wanted him. And I still wasn't there while I waited in the same hallway that I'd stood in six and a half years earlier while Jade got her epidural. Well, like Augustine, Alice began life without blasting from Jade's belly on the back of a pack of wild stallions. Little red bubble hearts didn't carry him over our heads and rest him gently in my arms, and there were no rainbows at all. Sure, I wasn't totally expecting any of this, but my heart of hearts hadn't given up all hope. Instead, Atlas flew out of Jade's uterus into the hands of a cluster of doctors and was immediately greeted by a series of vacuums and cool pressurized airstreams. He'd had some fluid in his lungs. I didn't even really get to hold him for the first time until we were back in, you know, the waiting place. 37 minutes into his life. Again, there was no Kenny Chesney swell of love, no tears, but I did feel something. It was like this pull towards Atlas, and I just knew so clearly right then that I wanted this boy to be alive. 
Okay. This sensation, you know, it was not an emotion. It was not some kind of mental aha moment. What I was experiencing was physical. My want for Atlas to be alive was something that I could feel growing into me. It was like my son had shot out this physical root that took hold somewhat uncomfortably right in the marrow of my sternum. I was holding him, you know, clutching him really, and I just understood that I wanted him to be here and to have everything. Oh fuck, I'm John. I'm not John. I mean, I still wanna be, but I'm not him. I wasn't tearing up. I didn't start telling Atlas that I loved him. I didn't even mention this to anybody. It was just how things were. Two hours before, we made a mistake. Now, my life free. My life free. My life free. My life free. I don't want to underplay this. I just want to put it really simply that I think what I was feeling was love. At least it was a kind of love. As someone who's personally tried for years to write a hit country song, like I can tell you that this root in my chest sensation, it wasn't something that would make a great chorus. It was more like a rock, like an anchor, something solid and necessary. It didn't stand out, it was like a color of gray. And although it was new to me, it still felt as common as like a sedan in a Target parking lot. It was just a thing. The right thing? I don't know. It's just how things were. Maybe I don't know what love is most of the time. I could see that being true. Or what's more likely, Maybe I just want love to be something bigger. You know, if it's been framed to me as the biggest and best emotion in the world, I expect it to always be at this huge level. But sometimes maybe love's just some smaller necessary thing. I don't know John very well. You know, never meet your idols, right? But maybe John didn't spend his 1999 bumping Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. Maybe John's understanding of love acknowledges more of these elementary moments. Maybe he recognizes non-glitzy versions of love. Or maybe John just didn't overthink his kids' births, which is totally possible. But what's also possible is maybe all the feelings that all these other parents shared in the backyard that day were just iterations of love. I think they were, because otherwise, wouldn't at least some of us have just walked away from the recovery room? It's just, maybe love is good at disguises. And it's hard to pin down when it's not standing out in its full Hollywood glory. Now as for finding out if I'm going to be a good parent right at birth, I'm on my second kid now, and I honestly think that whatever happens in the hospital is probably a really bad way to judge how someone's going to be as a parent. And if that's true, then feeling this big old Michael Buble style love for a screaming blood-covered wad of flesh upon first sight is probably even a worse litmus test for being a great dad. Sorry, John. Still, I think a lot of us are pretty anxious about how we'll actually feel when we see our baby for the first time that first time, there are like a million things going on. So I think maybe the best way to understand how you feel isn't by assessing your emotions, but by paying attention to what you do and what you think is necessary to do. Love can be just rocking a baby or being really picky about how their head's supported or just holding their hand. Love can show itself in all these little symptoms. But again, don't base anything on what happens while you're in the hospital. That's a bizarre place that only exists to deliver babies and then give parents just enough false confidence to enable them to get all the way home before they realize that they have no idea how to do this. 3040 Parent was produced and hosted by me, Bob Christian. This is a Civil Matador podcast. Find out more at civilmatador.com. <laughs>